Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, I want to welcome back to the program 10th District Congressman Patrick McHenry. How are you, sir? Hey, great to be back with you. Uh, So uh, you've been a little busy, I think, uh, last few weeks or so. Um, The first thing uh, I feel like I had to ask you, because I saw there's a new Speaker of the House. Uh, Were you aware that Mike Johnson believes in God? I see this is very... Uh, this has caused a lot of disturbance uh, among some people. Did you know that he believed in God when... Oh, yeah, such a shocker. Okay. Such a shocker. <laughs> I was just curious. Oh, yeah. The, the prayer on the floor. Yes. Yeah. yeah, people he went nuts over secret. So... Well, look, if you, if you want to understand him, uh, just listen to his speech. Um, and he started the speech by thanking all the staff that have worked so hard, and all the people that run the, the operations of the House of Representatives. Um, I don't think that sounds like a fundamentally bad person to me. No. Um, you know, it really speaks to who he is and his priorities and how he wants to treat people. So why, uh, I got to ask, why uh, were you not interested in, uh, in throwing your name into the hat uh, or into the ring or hat in the ring, whatever, for the, for the, uh, but, the yeah. Well, the facts and the circumstances, uh, both. So, look, we have a, a very divided House Republican conference. Uh, for those of us who have been deeply engaged in public policy, whether to make it a little bit better uh, or to make it much better, um, you know, you've got, uh, you, you get some uh, bruises from that. you got a little uh, scar tissue from that engagement. Um, and, um, and so those of us that have been, in the game uh, for a while and making some big decisions and engage in big negotiations, you know, frankly, um, you know, had some, had some folks that weren't keen on us. And so uh, that happened with the, the majority leader, the whip, uh, Chairman Jim Jordan, um, you know, happened to a variety of people. I looked at the circumstance and I, when I, dis- when I agreed to be, uh, number one on McCarthy's list to, to stand in in the event that um, the motion vacate passed, uh, passed or if something happened physically to Kevin McCarthy and wasn't able to do the job. I told him that I was not going to run for speaker. And I thought I, I needed to care for the position and elect a speaker, not engage in uh, my own personal ambition. And so uh, that's that's what I focused on, and the reason why I didn't get in the speaker's race is is for that reason, is because of the commitment I made uh, from the outset that I wanted to I wanted to handle this appropriately so that we can get on uh, with the decision making by House Republicans on on who the speaker was, and so that that's the reason why uh, fundamentally um, I, I wasn't going to engage even even when things got uh, pretty harried there after three candidates, uh, four candidates, and. And uh, it failed. So I got a, a couple of questions from uh, listeners. Uh, one of them is uh, is asking if Mike Johnson is better than McCarthy. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, 
No, it's it's the truth. I, I know Kevin very well. Uh, worked very closely with him um, over a long period of time, and I know him uh, know him very well. Um, and he didn't lose. And in the ten months of his speakership, the only time he lost was on the motion to vacate when eight Republicans voted with all the Democrats to to push him out of the speakership. That was the only loss, uh, legislative loss, uh, only vote loss uh, of his speakership. Um, and so my hope is that Mike Johnson will have a quite successful record and will be viewed as a successful conservative speaker uh, like Kevin McCarthy was in his time as, as in the speaker's chair. So another one asked, uh, they want to know, are you now considered part of the establishment, quote unquote? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's always, you know, uh, you know, everybody takes a shot at you if you're doing something. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I've tried to engage and try to get things done and trying to accrue power for the sake of better policy outcomes, more conservative outcomes in public policy. That's been my purpose uh, for quite a while in the House. And, um, you know, if you're successful in getting things done, then they'll take shots at you. And um, and my hope is the shots that I'm, I'm taking from people are because of the things that I'm trying I'm fighting for. Are your kids old enough to know that their dad is a meme, has made meme status? Did you know this? <laughs> Do your kids understand this? Do they know it? Um, do they know what a meme is? I guess that's the first question. Like, do they know what a meme is? Uh, they're they're not on social media, but they've seen enough the 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 stuff, and they they have a good sense of humor about uh, about their dad and the goofiness of their dad. <laughs> um, uh, my nine year old thinks a lot of this is is funny, um, and and throughout this whole thing. Uh, my sister, I've got two sisters, two brothers, and they, I'm very close with, with all of them. Um, uh, but one of my sisters was the one who sent me the cruelest stuff that was out on the Internet about <laughs> me, uh, which is a great way to lighten the mood when you look down your your sister that you love dearly, who loves, you know, and, and loves me dearly, uh, sends me the stuff just to mess with me. Well, i got to say, like, the meme I was thinking of is the the – Gavel hammering, and if you're going to get memed, that's a pretty good one. Like that was, that's not, yeah, that's not bad. Like if you have to choose, because I've seen, you know, like that could have gone very bad, you know. So, um, <laughs> so you got a good one. I thought, yeah. Um, so I saw uh, your colleague Matt Gates, uh, one of those who, uh, the one who led the charge against McCarthy. He was on Steve Bannon's show, and he said that McCarthy was trying to return as speaker during this entire process. And so he would drag, he would do things to drag out the process. Is, is what, I guess, what's your response to, to Gates's uh, allegation there? Look, uh, everybody saw shadows and ghosts throughout this whole thing. Um, and the fact is that, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy was, uh, understood, uh, the, the decision, um, and was moving on. Uh, he was not trying to return. Uh, but a lot of folks wanted to dredge that up in order to get some different uh, person in the speaker's chair. Uh, so that's internal politics to House Republicans, not about what Kevin McCarthy really wanted. Right. So it seems like there are like, I was talking with somebody uh, over the weekend and they were asking, like, how it's going to go. And I was like, I have no idea. Um, but I said, I just I see a lot of incentives for 
people to behave the way they've been behaving. And I, I'm talking about media people, uh, people on the right, you know, uh, uh, influencers and such, online people um, that seem to benefit when the conservatives don't win, when Republicans don't win. And these are people on the right that seem to benefit when conservatism doesn't win. So how do you okay. overcome if you are, and I assume you're still, are you still going to be helping out Johnson in leadership or are you just now just going to be running your committee? Well, we'll see. Okay. He's got to, he's got to put his leadership structure together. Gotcha. But look, he's got a lot of folks that would like to be aggrieved, uh, aggrieved in the minority. Um, and that uh, would drive uh, attention uh, to them personally. Uh, even if public policy in the American economy and really global leadership um, declines, uh, you know, America's status in the world, our economic strength, and the strength of conservatism declines. E- and many of them think that that benefits them to say that you know all these other people are losers, um, even though those that are espousing this would rather lose uh, than make things better. They want to pursue perfection rather than make things better. And so that's frustrating. And the current political ecosystem is driven around individual play rather than group, um, rather than the, the group sticking together to get a better outcome. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm frustrated by that, but we've got to adapt to, um, you know, this is a, a post McCain Feingold world where individual uh, candidates get uh, more power and attention using the internet and online fundraising (coughs) to their personal brand enhancement, uh, but to the detriment of actually achieving bigger and better things for the country. I want us to get back to uh, conservatives playing ball together so we can win and win for, uh, for our beliefs uh, for the American people and for our role in the world. Um, do you support censure for Rashida Tlaib for stuff that she has, uh, she's been saying and tweets she's been making and uh, behavior of hers? Wow. Or how about Bowman? Wow. Well, I mean, we've got a long <laughs> list of folks that we're, we've got to go through. And uh, all this stuff has happened in the last, uh, not all this stuff, the, the resolutions have happened in the last 24 hours, so I've got to go process that. And I'm not quite sure how, how to make sense of it, uh, because you've got uh, folks like George Santos, mm-hmm. um, uh, who has um, his own rap sheet to deal with. Um, and you've got Ilhan Omar and uh, Rashida Tlaib's comments. Uh, it, it's, it's quite a mess. It's a huge mess. Uh, yeah. not, not to mention Jamal Bowen being caught on camera pulling the, the uh, fire alarm and then saying he didn't do it. So, I mean, this thing is a complete clown show at this point. Um, and, uh, and I think we've got to stand up and say right's right and wrong's wrong. Uh, but I got to review. There's so many resolutions right now uh, going after individual members. And uh, I got to think through how to process each one of these individual votes. Now, in Bowman's defense, his his argument was that he's stupid and he doesn't know what a fire <laughs> alarm looks like. So just to be clear, he's, he didn't deny he did it. He just said he's too stupid. He thought that that was the way you open the doors. So, oh, yes, it, yeah. it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a wall 
with only one thing on it, <laughs> which, which is an obvious smoke, you know, the, the obvious uh, you know, pole if there's fire. It's red and white. I mean, it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, it's not like he had any experience as a principal in a school either, like where he would know that sort of thing. Oh, that's right. He was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. Well, look, I've uh, taken enough of your time. Uh, happy Halloween. I don't know, are you guys doing the trick-or-treating uh, with the kids this year? Are you going to dress them up or anything? Of course. We've okay. got to do that. We've got to do that. All right. Well, enjoy the enjoy the festivities, sir. And uh, well, uh, anytime you want to come on by, you know, the door's open. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Pete. Take care. Have a great day. You too. That's Congressman Patrick McHenry in the uh, 10th District running for re-election as well, he announced. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? All right. Uh, again, thanks to Congressman McHenry for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, I asked him at the very end there about Rashida Tlaib, and uh, she's the congresswoman uh, who, you know, posted up the tweet about the how the Israelis bombed a hospital, which is you know turned out not to be true. It's still up. She refuses to take it down. When she was confronted in one of the hallways uh, asking about uh, the atrocities that Hamas committed against babies and the elderly and civilians um, that she refused to answer. She wouldn't give any kind of comment, wouldn't condemn them. In fact, is very pro Hamas, pro uh, uh, Palestinian, quote unquote. Um, But it's more than that. There's an organization called Canary Mission, the Canary Mission, and it's an independent organization. It primarily investigates anti-Semitism on college campuses in North America. So I'd imagine they've been a little bit busy for the last couple of uh, weeks here. They actually, though, just put up onto their um, uh, their site a rundown of all of the links, all of the ties that Rashida Tlaib has to Hamas activists, Hamas fundraising, and indirectly to another terrorist organization. Canary Mission can confirm, it says, that Rashida Tlaib has extensive fundraising ties to Hamas supporters. She employed no less than three Hamas-linked activists to fundraise for her 2018 election campaign, one of whom spent eight months in prison for his connections to Hamas. She hired them. She occasionally used a pro-terror Facebook page called PAC-USA, PAC-USA, to raise funds for her 2018 congressional campaign. She gave the founder of PAC-USA the position of chairman of the finance committee for Rashida Tlaib for Congress. So this was her finance chair. He used it to promote 12 fundraisers in eight states with her support. In 2015, she co-founded the Detroit-based anti-American, anti-Israel, and pro-terror hate group called 
Black for Palestine. A co-founder used the group to conduct activism with members of the Marxist-Leninist Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, the PFLP, which is designated as a foreign terrorist organization. The woman's got deep ties here. So here's Jackie on the one line that we have. Hey, Jackie, what's going on? Hey, man, I have a question. A few minutes ago, I was writing, you mentioned the word anti-Semitism, right? And and my my I wanted to know what's your definition of anti-Semitism because you know I googled it while I was driving here and it said it's it's the criticism of, of, of Jewish people right, but a lot of these statements that people make are statements against the country Israel, the the actions of Israel, not of the Jewish people. They're they're more what I consider to be political statements, but every time it seems to be every every time somebody criticizes Israel. It's called anti-Semitism, and I don't think it's always that. That, That's my opinion. I just want to get your thoughts on it. So it's not simply criticism of Israel. It's a it's a it's a hatred of Jews is what anti-Semitism is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now that manifests in different ways, and so this is this is a uh, it's a convenient rhetorical cover what you've just expressed, and there's no doubt that people can be critical of Israeli. Uh, governmental actions, politics, whatever. I do not follow Israeli politics. I don't know. It's kind of wacky over there. I don't like. I, I don't know all of the ins and outs and all the parties. And it seems like they're always having elections and stuff. So I don't follow all of that. Um, but the the establishment of the, and so you can criticize the government and do that sort of stuff. But that is always this sort of this uh, uh, this this fine line, right? That you're trying to mark where. I'm just criticizing Israel, and that doesn't mean I'm anti-Semitic. That's also the cover story used for actual anti-Semites. They will say that very thing. And so you have to try to figure out when you're hearing people criticize Israel, you you should approach the criticism from, first off, a perspective of trying to figure out, is this legitimate criticism or is this anti-Semitism masquerading as simple uh, criticism of the government? Because... A lot of times, anti-Semites will be like, "I'm just talking about Israel," when in fact, they really do hate Jews. Yeah, but I think, I, and I agree with what you're saying. I, I certainly agree with you. But I think there are a lot of cases where people are criticizing what I call the politics of Israel, and what we talk about their 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 their, their setup, where they're, uh, you know, the, as far as the the way they handle their relationships with their Arab citizens and the Palestinians. A lot of that has nothing to do with criticizing the Jewish people or the Jewish faith or Jewish people, but it's the politics of their system. And I think we, we just, like you said, we've got to start discerning, you know, what's, what's anti-Semitism and what's not, because it, it's become convenient to call everything, every critique of, of Israel anti-Semitism. I don't think that's fair to everybody. Right. So the first thing then that I would I usually ask people is, uh, does, does Israel have the right to exist? Okay, so that, that that's that's the first question I usually start off with because you got to set up you know some like foundational uh, uh, yeah so okay so it does have the right to exist so that means it can defend itself um, and yeah, it's right a sovereign, it's a sovereign country right and if they are attacked and then they conquer they beat the attackers um, do they get to do they get to keep the land that they 
that they take in war? It's like it's like you said before, man. I remember. I think you said it last week that that's what countries do when they go to war, right? And the, and, and the victors. I mean, so many all all wars have been fought over land to some degree. Most major wars, right? right. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I would agree with that. It's over resources and such. Yeah, but there's also. Um, there's also this this sort of belief that that Jews don't have the right to to live in Israel that they're not that they that it never should have been created and so when I hear people chanting from the river to the sea at a quote pro Palestine rally that to me is a um, when I'm trying to discern what people's beliefs are about Jewish people versus the Israeli government you know what is it anti Semitism or not. If you're at a rally and you're chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free of what? Jews. That's the point. I mean, that's that's why they chant that. Well, I, 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 yeah, I agree. I agree with you some, to, to, to a great degree there. But I also believe that there are Palestinians and there are Arabs in that part of the world who feel that they need and want a homeland also. I looked up not too long ago, uh, uh, Pete, I looked up the, uh, the the demographics of Jerusalem, mm. just wanted to see what people live there, and if, if I remember correctly, it was about, uh, I think it was maybe 60% Jewish, maybe almost 40% Arabs, and then there were, and then as far as Christians were concerned, there were only like uh, 12,000 Christians in all of Jerusalem. Mm. So that tells you that the population is split between Jewish people and, and Arabs or, or Palestinians. You know, that's, that's, that's their name. That's what they want to be called. So there's, they, they've got to work out a solution as far as a homeland, because if they don't, they're going to be fighting forever, man. Right. So, all right. So when, when mean, having was, the... I, I, no, I agree. I, w- I would very much like to see a, uh, a solution uh, worked out between them. So you have one party that says, hey, you can have Gaza Strip. Um, and uh, we can live yeah. side by side, and then you have the other party that says you all need to die. So what's the yeah. what's the midpoint in that negotiation? What did the what is it? What does Israel give up uh, when they, they got to work that one out, man? I think that's what we're seeing right now. They're working it out all right. But look at what we did in America, man. Which I don't think was entirely fair. What did we do? What, what did we do with the Indians who wanted to live on their own land? Mm-hmm. What did we do. We we created reservations all across this country. Mm-hmm. Now they were they were the rightful descendants of America because they were here first. But we took the land, some form or fashion, you know, whether we agree with how we did it or whatever. But then we carved out these reservations for Indians all across America. Right, and it, they did the same thing with Gaza. Yeah, exactly. But 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 they they refuse to allow Israel peace. Yeah. So like yeah, so I, 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 that's what I mean. Like I don't know. Like you, they they've been they've been offered land. They were offered bigger swaths of land every single time. They over the last what seventy years when they've been offered land for peace, they've been offered their own uh, chunk of it, and they've turned them down. And whenever they get the land, they use it to attack Israel and. And after the atrocities we saw earlier this month, I think Israel's just done with it now. And this, they don't want to work it out, so Israel's going to work it out how all of these things always get worked out, right? Because the, la- the land doesn't belong to any one group of people. The, la- the land is only occupied by those who are strong enough to take it and keep it. And it has always been that way. Always. So, so I ask you one more question here, and I'll leave you alone, man. What do you What do you think about the the the, the system that that Israel has set up 
as far as uh, the, the way the Arabs are treated, as far as they have to have ID, they can only uh, go certain places at certain times of night. Uh, which not Arabs? Pledged citizens and things like that. What do you think? Of which that? Arabs are well? Which Arabs are those? I mean, the ones in Israel and from the from Gaza. Yeah. Right? Well, the ones from Gaza, they only get in on a work permit because exactly. you know Hamas has a bit of a reputation of training a death cult for the last thirty years. But but everybody's not a member of of, of Hamas, though. No, and well, that's the thing. If you live in Gaza Strip and you can prove that you're not a member of Hamas and you're not interested in murdering a whole bunch of Jews, then you can get a work permit and get in. But wouldn't that be the vast majority of the people that live there? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. I don't. I mean, well, I don't believe so. I think the vast majority of people that live in the Gaza Strip are totally fine with Hamas. They believe it. You know why? Because they've been trained and raised in it. For the last 30 years, they show, I mean, you are aware, right? You've been listening to the show, so you know that they literally teach their children through cartoons, through their TV stations, through advertising, through everything, kill all the Jews, and there is no greater thing that that you can ever have on this planet than killing Jews. It's a direct line right into heaven. So what do you, what, what do you tell somebody of this earth that, how, how do you convince them don't kill Jews when they've been taught that doing so will get them right to the front of the line in heaven. Yeah, exactly. And you can't compete with heaven, right? No, of course not, right? It's Yeah. You can't compete with heaven. I right. Mean, that, that says it all right there. Death cults yeah. throughout human history have arisen, and they only perish when someone takes them down. And I don't know any other way. I mean, and that's harsh reality, but that's reality, I think. Uh, hey, Jackie, I appreciate the call. Have a good weekend, sir. The uh, Israeli Defense Forces announced that they took out the uh, the intelligence director of Hamas. And they're reporting they there was a, a, a Hamas base hidden beneath one of their hospitals. All right. So um, I was talking about Rashida Tlaib and this Canary mission, which, by the way, you can go look them up. They've got dossiers on all sorts of people they did one on Talib, and they've connected her with hamas activists three fundraisers salah sarsour rafiq jaber or jaber and abdel basset hamayel and sarsour was jailed for being connected with hamas in 95 she co-hosted an event with Talib in 2018 the group shared an archived link showing sarsour's uh, appearing on a name appearing on an event flyer jaber also apparently admitted to helping distribute Hamas's propaganda in the United States in 2003. He uh, testified that he directed two Hamas front groups to promote the Holy Land Foundation in every way we can. You remember that name, right? Holy Land Foundation. Admitted to distributing pro-martyrdom materials that celebrated the killing of Jews. The fundraiser is also a co-founder of the Council on American-Islamic Relations, CARE. Hamayel, the final of the three, has worked for multiple Hamas-linked organizations, all of which are now defunct. He worked as a rep for a group called Kind Hearts for Charitable Humanitarian Development. In 2011, it was dissolved by the U.S. Treasury Department after it was found to be funneling money to Hamas. That's why I asked McHenry about whether or not he would support censuring Tlaib, so... We'll see what happens with the new Congress uh, uh, now situated. All right, music's playing, so we're going to check on out of here. Have a great weekend.
shiner 99 cent butane lighter Lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron Ice down that igloo cooler Take a guess at all to do her I can feel a good one coming on Throw in Ray Wiley Hubbard Sing along to Redneck Mother Any blues I had before are gone Another working week is over No chance of staying sober I can feel a good one coming on All right, so I got this story also. You'll never believe what was found in a barn in Wisconsin the other day. It's like almost too good to be true. Three blondes in a ragtop Mustang Followed us down to the lake And didn't have to think about that too long Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight Situation couldn't be more right A 1981 DeLorean with only 977 miles on it. And it was in a barn, so it didn't have any sun damage. The thing is like nearly pristine. This is the car made famous by the Back to the Future movie. As the prophecy foretold, only 9,000 of them ever made. All right, I'll see you on Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Good one.